You are listening to a message from Parkway Pentecostal Church in Corona. Today's message is brought to you by one of our members, Len Head, and is called Righteousness of Christ. Anything? There we go. There we are. All right. And we're going to talk about being a millwright in a minute. Um, and anyways, and it was funny because last night as I was uh, doing some of the stuff, just out of the blue, uh, Linda, my wife, looked over at me and she said, are you, she paused, she goes, are you doing a topical sermon? Now, I'm going to say a bunch of jargon that means nothing, but there's three major formats in laying out a sermon, and uh, expository, textual, and topical. I'm a textual expository guy. I've never in my life done a topical. So being that I've never in my life been in jeans, never been in life hanging a shirt out, um, we're going to do a topical one today. Now that means nothing to you, but it means a lot to me because I might crash and burn. Who knows? (laughs) Anyways, let's pray. I want to speak a blessing into your lives. Father God, we just thank you that you are our God. You are our Lord. You know each and every one of us by name. You know the cares that we carry, the burdens that we face. And today, I speak a blessing into everybody's life that they would know that you have not, will not, never plan to, not going to, impossible, leave them in those situations. And I speak to you today that you can turn to Jesus Christ and whatever knocks on your door. And we bless you with that. Let's go. Let's get into this. Today, I want to talk about identity. And identity is something that we, how do we say, we worry about in our society because we have a thing called identity theft. Identity theft can alter our lives forever. Identity theft can cripple us. But in our society, we have a very set pattern of identity. And that identity is absolutely contrary to the identity that Christ has in us and we have in Christ. And I want to separate that and somehow bring you to a decision with an example of Paul. There are attributes of knowing your identity, but there are tragedies in focusing on your identity when it's the wrong identity. The attributes of your identity in the secular world are totally different than the attributes of your identity in Christ. For instance, in the secular world, I have a passport. This passport says that I'm a Canadian citizen. And when I travel abroad, I actually travel under the protection of the Canadian government. If I'm in a foreign nation and a crisis hits, I can get to the embassy. The embassy is Canadian soil. And when I'm on that embassy, I am protected with the full rights of the Canadian government. That's a benefit. There are other aspects of our identity that we use every day in life. I have a driver's license. This driver's license tells me that I'm licensed to drive in the province of Ontario. It also carries identification. It's also used to identify who I am. We have birth certificates. We have health cards. I have a health card that says that I'm a citizen of Ontario and I'm entitled to the health care of Ontario. This is my identity card. I also have a card here that states that I'm a millwright. 
And often when we're asked, who are you or what you do, we state what our occupation is. Well, this card says that I'm a millwright. I also have another card here from one of our brothers, Stu. This card says that Stu's a pipe fitter. This is the third first in my life, holding another tradesman card. My hand is quivering. We're not putting this one on air, Stu. Don't worry. We won't have to deal with our BAs when we're done here. But these are forms of identity. When Stu and I show up on a job, Stu as a pipe fitter is authorized to do certain elements of that job. When I as a millwright show up to that very same job, I'm authorized to do certain elements of that job. I don't cross those lines and Stu doesn't cross those lines. If he does, we bring in our contract. We bring in our union reps. Because now we're into what they call jurisdiction, squabbling battles, whatever you want. But as members of a trade union, okay, or a company, I'm talking trade unions, Stu has a benefit package and a pension plan. And I have a benefit package and a pension plan. These are some of the benefits of our secular identity. But today I want to wipe away your secular identity. Because far too often in the church, we hang on to our secular identity. And far too often in our, in our everyday living of life, we hang on to our secular identity. And our secular identity can literally cripple us in our walk with Christ. Um, I'm going to ask somebody to get this ticket back to Stu right now because he can't go to work without it. Stu's in the back corner. Could you run that back for me? And to be honest with you, it's off my hands now. So anyways, <laughs> I meant to wipe my fingerprints off, Stu. You'll have to do that yourself. But these are the identities. And far too often when we rest on our identity of who we are in the secular world, we're absolutely robbed of our identity in Christ. You see, as a Christian, we might use these forms of identity. But here's the reality. It's not who I am. That millwright's ticket is not who I am. That pipe fitter's ticket is not who Stu is. Countries can fall. Healthcare can collapse. Driver's licenses can be suspended. And that is not my identity. My identity is in Christ. And today, somehow, I want to take you to a decision. Today, we will have a time of prayer. We will have a time of spending time with you, praying for you. If you've never received Christ, we'd love to pray you into the kingdom. If you've never received the baptism, we'd love to pray the baptism of the Holy Spirit on you. Or if you just want to respond to what I'm talking about, we would love to speak this blessing into you. Because you see, as Christians, we're hanging on to the wrong identity, and we're walking in the wrong identity. That identity that I have has many things. It has lots of blessings. But it's very, very short. They're not who you are. This is who we are if we have Christ as our Savior. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. This 
is the beginning of who you are in Christ. And let me take uh, depict some of these words here. That one word, never, means this. That one word, new, means this. Never before existed. So on this side of knowing Christ, and we were all there, on this side of walking our life in our identity of who we are and what we were and what we did and not knowing who Jesus Christ is in our heart. And when we take that step and we make that walk over that line and we say, I am going to trust you and I'm going to believe in you, Jesus, and I'm going to call you my own. There is an instantaneous new creature birth that has never once been created before. You are brand spanking new in the spirit realm. Never before. Can I have a hand, handful? My wife's a Christian. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use her because I don't want to put it away. Great. Before Linda gave her life to Christ, it was Linda. But the minute she gave her life to Christ, brand new, never before, the life that she stepped into was brand new, never before. Hang on to that. Never before. The word creature is this. A person whose position or fortune is owed to someone or something and who continues under the control or the influence of that person. This scripture is saying to this, that you have the position and the fortune that is owed to you by Christ. It is owed by Christ. What you have and wherever you've walked is simply under the ownership of Christ. And when you step in to make that decision, you're now stepping in to a continuous control and influence of that person. And in our situation, that is Jesus Christ. So now we've made this transition. We've stepped in. We are spanking new in the spirit realm. We've walked in. Old things have passed away. Whatever you've done, wherever you've been, whatever success or failures you had, all of that is gone in the spirit realm. You're brand new, and now you're under the influence. You're under the control, and your position and your fortune for the days ahead is strictly under the hand of Jesus Christ. That is good news. That is good news. That is positive good news. The word behold. This was what I kind of found interesting about all of it. But this. The word behold says this. Take notice. As if contemplating a rapidly shifting scene. As in a flash, old things vanish and new things become new. In an instant, you are a new creature in Christ. In an instant, old things have passed away. In an instant, all things become new. Let me come to you and let me explain something. This is what takes place. You know, we look at this and we say the things might be the same and we understand that, but you need to listen to what I'm going to say. When this happens, it happens in the spirit realm. 
This happens in the spirit realm, and we will see it manifest in our lives. But there's something that we need to address when we get this down. We need to stop saying this. You see, the word says that our word, the Bible says that our words have tremendous effect. That power of life and death is in the tongue. So as of today, I don't want anybody ever saying this again. I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. Stop that nonsense. Stop that nonsense. You were a sinner. It is all done. I am now a new creation in Christ. All things are new. When you do that and you begin to focus on that, you'll start stepping into a realm of knowing who you are in Christ. And this is a realm that Satan does not want you in. This is a realm that will bring down the strongholds of the gates of hell. But if, but if we linger back, and we keep dragging on. I'm an old sinner saved by grace. We will never fully understand who we are in Christ. If I hang on to the fights that Linda and I have had 25 years ago, we will never move forward. And we've had our share of them. <laughs> you say, but I've made that decision, but I'm still dealing with health. I'm still dealing with worry. I'm still dealing with strife. I'm still dealing with issues. You see, here's the thing that we need to understand this by Paul. As Christ has done the work, now what we need to do is simple. Paul says this in Romans 12, 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. I'm going to read it again here. And do not be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the will of God is that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And you see, what he's telling us is here, is, and we are trapped, especially North America. We as a North American church are absolutely inundated in the conformed, conformed to this world. Listen to what I'm going to say to you. We live in a society where the miraculous is never talked about. We live in a society where we don't mention Jesus. We live in a society where all our answers are secular answers. Now listen to what I'm going to say. I'm not trashing doctors. For the record, when I got the diagnosis that I had, I sought out the number one cancer specialist in Canada. I'm not trashing doctors. And when we weren't making headway, we pursued a clinic in Dallas, Texas, and we were prepared to lay down $175,000. I'm not trashing doctors, but I am telling you this. That going there first is conforming to the world. When Jesus says that by my stripes you were healed, that makes a difference. I'm not trashing doctors, but I'm telling you this. Do not be conformed to this world. 
Do not find your identity as a pipe fitter or a millwright. Do not find your identity in your passport. Do not find your identity in your birth certificate. But find your identity in Christ. And how do we do that? By getting into the New Testament particularly. And get into the four most, unmost read books of the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those books are so neglected in, in the Christian church today. And I'm going to tell you why. Satan does not want you to know what Jesus Christ has done for you, how Jesus Christ loves you, how Jesus Christ cares about you, and what his mandate is for you in life, and how he'll walk you through that mandate, and how he'll bring life to you. We'll go back, and I'm not trashing the Old Testament, but we'll go back and do a study in the Old Testament and never read what Christ says to us personally. I've been there. I've been there. The renewing of your mind is getting into the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then getting into the epistles and finding out how to apply it. The renewing of your mind is spending time with Jesus Christ. And then you will begin to believe that his promises, his promises are yea and amen. You see, when we find our identity in a secular realm, and we can be in church and be in this identity, we will never truly believe the promises of Christ because we're double-minded now. And the Bible warns us about being double-minded. This isn't a downer. This is an exciting thing because if you'll go with me on this, you will see how your life can be radically changed. My wife and I spent five years hunting down men that taught healing. Every one of them told me this, that we met. We've traveled all over North America, and I don't mean this kudos to me or anything like that, but every one of them, they said, I know who I am in Christ, Len. You need to know who you are in Christ. Every one of them. Every one of them. Linda's mom is 95 years old. She knew Smith Wigglesworth. She knew Howard Cotter. She knew John Carter. She knew Donald McGee. She knew men that planted the churches in England, the founders of the Assemblies of God. And she says this, those men knew who they were in Christland. Today, men do a thesis on God. Those men changed the world. And I'm looking at a church right now that there's enough people here we could flip a nation right side up. And all it takes is knowing who we are in Christ. All it takes is stepping out of our secular, our secular identity. Let's get to my text. This is a weird text. Not a weird text. This is a profound text. It's a weird text for a topical sermon. Here's my text. And I've led up to this. And I admire this statement. I admire going on a job site and knowing that each tradesman on that job site, even though I might not agree with them, knows what they're there to do. And don't touch their work. I admire that. I admire people that stand up and know who they are. Don't get me wrong, but I admired the North Vietnamese. Didn't agree with them, but I admired them because they were willing to do anything necessary to defeat the greatest power on earth, and they were able to. I admired them. I admire army veterans because most of them still remember their serial number. 
And if you ask them, what were you? They'll say what they were. But most of all, I admire Paul. Because Paul, in 2 Timothy, says this. In verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. Paul, an apostle of Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. You see, Paul didn't say, Paul, a great theologian. Paul didn't say, Paul, a Pharisee amongst Pharisees, trained by Gamil. Paul didn't say, Paul, a tent maker, member of the tent makers union. Paul didn't say that. But, and Paul was successful in each and every one of those. Paul's knowledge of the Old Testament surpassed everybody except for the man that taught him. But Paul said this, Paul, an apostle. And if you understand Paul's life, it was filled with confrontation. Whipped, I believe, five times, 39 times. Beaten with rods, stoned, shipwrecked, in prison, falsely accused of agitating and setting fire to Rome by Nero so Nero could persecute the Christians. Paul's life wasn't filled with potluck dinners. But Paul's life was grounded on this. No matter what come my way, no matter what achievements were behind me, I am Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, called by his will. So what Satan has done in the church has done this, and today we officially need to do this. Satan has convinced the church that these are special people, that they're up there, and we're just down here. But they forgot that Christ is no respecters of men. And the minute Christ takes and puts Paul above you or me, Christ is going against his own word, and he doesn't do that. Yes, Paul achieved great things, but Paul knew who he was in Christ. So we need to get up there and we need to simply take Paul and the rest of the disciples and apostles off the stained glass windows and put them in the seats next to us. Because Paul is no different than any one of us. But Paul's identity is in Christ. And look what Paul was able to do in Christ. Paul was able to raise the dead. Write two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul was able to heal the sick, correct false doctrine, plant churches, and press on. Paul was able to be one of the greatest examples of knowing who we are in Christ for us to follow today. Paul was able to tell us to separate the world's circumstances to your identity in Christ. You see, there's a good chance that we might end up in prison one day for proclaiming the gospel. There's a good example. Paul said, I fought the good fight. Paul did not put his circumstances and his relationship with Christ in his circumstances, but he put everything about him in one thing. I, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. So what's an apostle mean? Well, what apostle means and what apostle does, we're going to separate a little bit. An apostle is an envoy, an ambassador, or a messenger commissioned to carry out the instructions 
of the commissioning agent. So listen to this. We're going to struggle with that unless we come back here and we remember this. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, no new things have come. You see, we have to come to the realization it's done and over with that now I'm under the influence of Jesus Christ and I've now become a messenger. I've become an envoy. I've become an ambassador of Christ Jesus. And that is my identity. An ambassador... I'm having a little trouble here, so please be with me on this. An ambassador is commissioned by his country. When Canada sends an ambassador, he sends an ambassador to another country with our authority and our mandate of the Canadian government. And I don't know if you know this, but where he walks is Canadian soil. When he leaves the, the embassy and he walks down to Max Milk in China, every footstep is Canadian soil. Do you realize that he cannot legally be charged by the country that he's in for a crime that he commits because he is an ambassador of a foreign nation and he is entitled to go back to the embassy and to be shipped home. He cannot be charged. But he carries the authority of the country. If, if you inflict harm on him in any other country, technically and officially, you are declaring war on the nation of Canada. Paul says this. I'm an ambassador. Jesus Christ says this. We're all ambassadors. And everywhere we walk is the kingdom of God. Because the Bible tells us that greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. The Bible tells us the spirit of living God resides in us. To do what? To bring life to our mortal bodies. He doesn't want us sick. As an ambassador of Jesus Christ, we carry the full authority of Christ. And our authority is in the empowering of the Holy Spirit. So that when we see people that are desperate, dying, depraved, we have the authority to set them free. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. Now go. So as ambassadors, we have a mandate. And this mandate is to heal the sick, to raise the dead, and to set the captives free. Now, captivity is a broad range of things. Captivity could be poverty. Captivity could be without food. Captivity be could in dire straits. We've come to set the captives free. This is our mandate. And because an ambassador has a commissioning agent, our commissioning agent... is this. I need a bigger ear. <laughs> Our commissioning agent is this, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to counter something here. And please, I know I might offend somebody. I don't want to. I don't mind offending people when it's necessary, but I don't <laughs> want to offend anybody now. So please understand where I'm going. You no longer can accept when somebody says, but we can't know the will of God. Because the Bible tells us we have the mind of Christ. And the Bible cannot contradict itself. 
So once you step in there and become a new creature in Christ, you now have the mind of Christ. How that mind is developed is by the renewing of the word. So now when you go on your mandate as an ambassador, as a messenger, you now understand that you have the mind of Christ, and that is to heal the sick, raise the dead, and set the captives free. Case closed. Case closed. And now when the renewing of the mind takes place, you all of a sudden start realizing that this word is real. Now, some of you know that Roger Sapp and Linda and I and his wife, Anne, we're very close friends. And Roger made a comment to me one time, and it was interesting. And it's just gone out of my brain. <laughs> he made a comment to me, and I'll get back to it. In fact, I better get up to my note here. I have totally lost that. My goodness. Okay, let's go. And yes, you can know and understand the will of God. We have the mind of Christ according to the promise of life in Christ Jesus. Let me tell you what promise is. I hope that'll come back into my brain. My wife and I have developed this thing now. Um, we interrupt each other because when the thought comes, we have to say it, okay? So our conversation often sounds rude, but really we're just having compassion on each other, okay? <laughs> And this was a compassion moment. I should have said that, but I, I lost my mind here. Let's come back to this, the promise. The word promise means this, that words that bind a person to something. Paul says this, according to the promise of life. Paul says, I am a messenger of Christ. I am an apostle of Christ Jesus. According to the promise, the words spoken are the exact words that bind Paul to that relationship. And that word life means the life of Christ. Paul says, I am an ambassador. I am an apostle of Christ. According to the words that he's promised me, has bound me to this, that I have his life. What an awesome, incredible, far too hard for us to conceive thought. But here's the reality. It is for us. Christ wants us to live victoriously. Christ wants us to proclaim his gospel. Christ wants us to be excited about what, we've done, what he's done for us. Christ wants us to believe his promises. Christ wants us, wants us to understand who we are in Christ. He wants that. Now, back to that thought. Thank you. Roger made a thought to told me one time. He said this. When you're reading scripture, Len, put your name in every promise. Everywhere you see that, you read Len, you read Len, you read Len, you read Len. And in the renewing of your mind, what's going to take place is this. You're going to start looking at Scripture, and when you don't see it happen, you're going to realize this, that that word is truth. And if it's not happening, it's not happening in you. 
And that's okay because you can go back to Christ and say, Christ, I am here to fulfill your mandate, but I'm not getting the job done. And he uses this for an example. For instance, Len, there was a time when I would go and I would only see 15 or 20% of the people healed that I prayed for and taught with. And he goes, now, to be honest with you, and I know this for a fact, it averages 85%. But when I don't get the job done, it's not Jesus' fault. I haven't got it done. Because healing was paid for at the atonement. And he says this, as you get to know who you are in Christ, you will recognize, and if you're doing it, you will stop this. You will stop judging Scripture to your experience and start judging your experience to Scripture. You see, here's the truth. Jesus said, those that believe shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. We have to accept that that's real. And if I don't get the job done, it's that I haven't fully become who I am in Christ in my renewing of the mind. Or I'll simply say this, Jesus is lying. And tear that page out of your Bible. What's your option? Because nowhere else does it cover that. Nowhere else does he go, well, in this instance, in that instance. And he said this, as you change, and as you start doing that, he goes, I can tell you something. Your life will be so radically changed that you won't even remember what you thought before. And, I cont- and he told me to go home when I went down visiting the first time. He said, go home and do this. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over and over and over till it hits you. And one day it hit me and I bawled like a baby for two hours of who Jesus is in my life. Here's the thing. He's Jesus in your life. You're a new creature. Now, let's go on. This, to me, is exciting. Paul states by who he is, by what authority he is. Paul does not state who he was, but Paul claims where his identity is. Here's my question for you. This is where I want to go. I want to wind it down pretty soon. In In a couple minutes, I'll ask the worship team to come. I can tell you something. When we cross that threshold and we begin to pursue Christ and we begin to say, wait a minute, my identity is in Christ, you're going to go on the most exciting pattern of life you've ever, ever enjoyed. But I'm not telling you it's going to be easy. Paul would never have given up his life and gone back to being a Pharisee. Because you've got to understand, the rank of Pharisee that Paul was had all the trappings of wealth, had all the trappings of authority, had all the trappings of prestige, had all the trappings of being cared for. He would have had soldiers stationed with him. He would never have gone back there. Even though Paul was whipped, even though Paul was beaten with rods, even though Paul was stoned, even though Paul was shipwrecked, even though Paul was imprisoned and eventually beheaded, even though Paul was falsely accused. Because you see, Paul caught a hold of his identity in Christ. And when we get a hold of our identity in Christ, there is nothing out there that will ever, ever, ever match that. And when you start the process of renewing your mind and getting into Christ and getting into the epistles and start saying these promises are for me. I am a child of the living God. Your promises are yea and amen. Your life will change. It will change. 
It will radically change. Our lives will change. And when I say the word you, I mean us. So my question to you is this. Who are you? Who are you? Are you a Canadian citizen? Yeah, maybe. But there was once a country that was a powerhouse called Yugoslavia. Did you know that Yugoslavia, under the leadership of Tito, maintained over a million man standing army? That during the height of the Cold War, even though Yugoslavia was a communist country, they were not at all controlled by the Soviet Union. In fact, Tito issued a statement to the Soviet Union that you will not influence us and we're prepared to take you on. Yugoslavia was an incredibly powerful nation. It's no longer. See, nations fall. Nations crumble. There are no Yugoslavians. There is no Yugoslavian passport. Who are you? Do we focus who we are on our education? There's always somebody smarter. There's always another degree to get. There's other, always another course to take. Are we a tradesman? There's always a smarter tradesman out there, except for Stu and I. <laughs> for the record, let's be honest. The day will come when we're retired and we can't do the job. Are you a shopkeeper? Here's the danger. I say this with the most utmost respect and love that I can. You could have been born on this platform 65 years ago and attended church and not know who you are in Christ. You could be an usher. You could be a deacon. You could be an elder. You could be a pastor. You could be the district rep. Or you could be the head of a denomination and not know who you are in Christ. I want to declare this to you. Whatever's knocking on your door, whatever pride we had taken our achievements, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be a tradesman. Whatever citizenship we brag about, whatever status in a church we claim, don't ever let that get in the way of who you really are. See, here's the reality. Our identity is this. I, Len. I, John. I, Michelle. I, whoever it is. I am a messenger of Christ Jesus. And I have that authority. And I have his promise. And I have his life. And his life was exciting. 
I want the worship band to come. What we're going to do, and this isn't for my ego, but if you don't know Christ as your Savior and you're interested and you realize the benefits of having Christ, there's going to be a prayer team up here. Find one of these people and allow them to lead you into a life of Christ. If you don't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to be honest with you. We are a supernatural people. But without the power and the baptism of the Holy Spirit in carrying out the message and being an ambassador of Christ, it's like showing up to a gunfight with a knife. If you do not have that power, Jesus wants you to have it. Come and be prayed with. And if you want to make a bold statement that as of this day, I am going to pursue who I am in Christ, come and let somebody pray with you and encourage you. I want to leave you with this. There's a couple significant studies that I've followed. If you come and do a Bible study with Linda and I, we take everybody through a book by E.W. Kenyon, and it's called Two Kinds of Righteousness. In that book, anybody that studied it with us, and it's, it's free, it's on the internet. Uh, you can get a free, uh, Pete, whatever it is. Yeah, I'm really, okay, you know what it is. A PDF file, and you can download it. I encourage you to read that book. And there's another video that we watch, and it's on YouTube, and it's called A Gospel Life Seminar by Andrew Womack. It's called this. There's, I think, four of them. They're out of Chicago, 213. Christ in you, the hope and glory. And I suggest you read those. I'd like everybody to stand, and I'm going to pray for you. If you have to leave, bless you so much. But if you want to come for any type of prayer, we are going to be here. Can I have the elders and the prayer team come forward as I speak a blessing on your congregation today? Father, I thank you, Lord, that your word is yea and amen. And I thank you, Jesus, that each and every one of us, no matter what comes our way in life, we can come to you for your promises, that you are interested in us, that you have us covered, that your concerns are for us to have your life. And I speak life into this congregation today. I bless you with the presence of Jesus Christ that will never leave you nor forsake you. I bless you with the assurance of the word that says, call unto me and I'll answer thee. I bless you with the assurance of Jesus Christ as your Lord, as your King, and as your Savior. One that wants to sup with you and dwell with you. I speak that blessing into your life. I speak the blessings of health and prosperity into your lives. And I come into the marriages and I speak into every marriage in this place represented now that your marriage would be such a fulfilled, joyful marriage that you would look at each other in wonderment and realize that it is Christ that has brought your spouse into your path. I speak that blessing of marriage upon your marriages today. And I thank God for this, that he rescued my marriage so I know exactly what I'm talking about. In Jesus' name, if you want prayer, come. If you need to go, bless you and you're free to go. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to our message. If you'd like to know more about Parkway Church or to find out what we're about, 
you can visit our website at parkway-church.com. And if you like what you hear, why don't you come join us? We would love to have you here on a Sunday morning. Our service time is 10 a.m. and we're located right here in Corona on Murray Drive.